raise your hand. Okay, tweet me if you love having a guy come on your face. I'm guessing I'll hear from a few people who do. But newsflash for some men, many women don't like it and welcome it only because their partners do. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's good to want to please your your partner. But what if he's only doing it to please you? The women in porn seem to dig it, right? So why not try to turn you on with a little jizz facial thing? (laughs) Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I'm so excited for today's guest who is starting up some really important conversations about porn, which has grown increasingly popular among women. Neither I or most of my serious boyfriends were ever really into mainstream porn, and I know when I say that, some of you are probably thinking, well, they probably watched it but just didn't tell you. I've heard that before. If I doubted their sincerity, though, Cindy Gallup, the creator and CEO of Make Love Not Porn, would have doused it. Why? Because none of the sex that we engaged in was typical of the sex depicted in mainstream pornography. One of my boyfriends and I practically thought we invented anal sex, which, by the way, never became routine. They all valued my sexual pleasure and mutual physical touching, and they actually paid too much attention for the way my own body works to my clitoris, which tells me they were probably more likely reading Cosmo than watching porn. They were as confused and stunned as I was when I ejaculated on occasion, which was nothing, by the way, like Mount Vesuvius erupting. And I can count pretty much on one hand the number of times anybody has come on my on my face. So all of this would have been quite different had they relied on porn. In fact, I'd be pretty different, too. I suspect that having learned remarkably little about sex other than through exploration, while not ideal, was better than learning through pornography. Perhaps that's one reason I remained as vocal, uh, to put it lightly, and embracing of my sexuality as I have. In any case, it's obvious that not everyone is as fortunate, especially as time goes on. Our culture has changed remarkably since the digital age brought this overabundance of hardcore porn to our fingertips. We have it on our phones, in our pockets. It's everywhere. Uh, it's, It's sometimes in positive ways, but also in negative ways. And I think there are more negative repercussions than positive. Today's guest is out to change all of that in practical, entertaining, wonderful ways. A revolutionary thinker, speaker, and world-changing activist, Cindy Gallup, a former award-winning advertising executive, is out to change the future of sex in hugely positive ways. In 2009, at the renowned TED conference, she launched Make Love Not Porn, a website that debunks the myths of hardcore porn and teaches the difference between mainstream porn and real sex. And as I've been learning... They're very, very, very different. She isn't against porn, she says, but pro-porn, pro-sex, and pro-knowing the difference. Thank you so much for joining me, Cindy. I'm, I'm honored to talk to you today. Uh, you speak very candidly about dating younger men quite pleasurably. For those who aren't aware, would you share how your experiences uh, dating younger men helped inspire the idea behind Make Love Not Porn? Sure. Um, Make Love Not Porn um, really is a complete accident because I didn't set out to do anything I'm doing with it intentionally. 
Um, I date younger men who tend to be um, in their twenties. And through dating younger men, um, I realized, and, and this would be about seven or eight years ago now, that I was encountering an issue which would never have crossed my mind if I had not encountered it very intimately and personally, which is what happens when two things converge. When today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex, and results in porn becoming, therefore, by default, the sex education today in not a good way. And so I found myself encountering a number of, if you like, sexual behavioral memes. I went, whoa, I know where that behavior is coming from. And I thought, you know, if I'm encountering this, then other people must be as well. And being a very action-oriented person, I decided something about it. And so that, that was really the start of Make Love Not Porn. And what would you say your primary goal would be with, with Make Love Not Porn? Well, um, you know, um, back, um, back when I first um, put up makelovenotporn.com on, on no money um, as a very clunky, basic little website, um, my thinking at the time was simply, you know, this is, this is really interesting. This is an issue that I hadn't thought about before. But, but one that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume a lot of people are experiencing in an area that is enormously important to all of us, you know, our sex lives and our relationships. And so uh, my thought was really at the time to just highlight the fact that there is a difference between porn world and real world. And so the original dot-com site was, you know, um, a, a very simple way of posting some of the myths of hardcore porn and balancing them, them with reality. And it was really just intended as um, something of a public service announcement. It was when it received the most extraordinary response after I launched it at TED that I realized that I had really touched a nerve globally. And that's when I began feeling that I had a personal responsibility to take it forwards in a way that would make it much more far-reaching, helpful, and effective. And Really, um, uh, Make Love Not Porn's entire mission um, boils down to very simply talk about it. Talk about sex openly and honestly in the public domain and talk about sex openly and honestly privately in your intimate relationships because great sex is born out of great communication. Amen. I absolutely agree with you and I'm amazed at how little we do talk about it and how much shame there tends to be and the conversations you've stimulated have been awesome and i i know that conversations are really a big uh, part of the reason that you uh do the work that you do and that you don't blame porn you don't see the porn as the problem but you're also doing some really exciting things to provide a, a healthier more empowering alternative uh could you tell us a little bit about the user submitted videos and, and what's happening with that um, sure. Um, so, uh, so let me explain that, um, um, as I said earlier, everything I'm doing is an accident because Make Love Not Porn is the startup the world asked for. So um, I had the opportunity to launch MakeLoveNotPorn.com at TED, and I took a deliberate decision to be very explicit in my TED talk because I knew that audience wouldn't get this issue unless I was very straightforward about it. Um, so I am to this day, therefore, the only speaker ever to have uttered the words come on my face on the <laughs> TED stage, six times succession. And the talk went viral as a result. 
And it showed this, this extraordinary response. And the most extraordinary thing was not simply huge amounts of traffic to the site from every country in the world. So it went global without my doing anything about it practically. But every single day for the past over five years, this is ongoing, I've received thousands of emails to my Make Love Not Porn inbox, and they come from everybody. Young and old, male and female, straight and gay, from every country in the world. And even before the actual site I, I put out there, what amazes people is simply the fact that I stood on the stage in public, I talked about and I'm doing something about what everybody knows but nobody ever speaks about. And as a result, people feel able to tell me anything. They pour their hearts out to me on email. They tell me things about their sex lives and their porn-watching habits they've never told anybody else before. They write for advice. 15-year-old boys write to me for advice. 15 women write for advice. <clears throat> and it was the sheer cumulative impact of those emails that, as I say, made me feel I had to take this forward. And, um, um, <coughs> sorry, forgive me the coughing. Um, I'm, I'm very clear um, with people that... Um, you know, make love not porn is, as you say, not anti-porn. The issue isn't porn. The issue is the complete absence of an open, healthy, honest, truthful conversation around sex in the real world, which if we had it would, among many other benefits, also mean people would then bring a real-world mindset when they view what is essentially artificial entertainment. So given our mission is to talk about it, um, what I decided to do was to take every dynamic that exists out there in social media currently and apply them to the one area that no other social media network or platform is ever going to go in order to make real-world sex and the discussion around it socially acceptable and therefore just as socially shareable as anything else that we share on you know, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. So a little over a year ago, my team and I launched MakeLoveNotPorn.tv, which is a user-generated, crowdsourced video-sharing platform that celebrates real-world sex. So it's effectively the dot-com site brought to life. Anybody from anywhere in the world can submit videos of themselves having real-world sex. And we explain what we mean by that. It's not performative. This is not about performing for the camera. It's simply about capturing what goes on in the real world in all its funny, glorious, messy, silly, wonderful, beautiful humanness. We curate, we watch every video to make sure it's real, and we have a revenue-sharing business model. You pay to rent and stream real-world sex videos, and 50% of that income goes to you, our contributor, or as we like to call you, our Make Love Not Porn star. Wow, so is this already... I saw that there was a... a a beta phase going on with one of the pages. Is this already available to the public? Oh, um, yeah, but no, it, it, it has been for the past year and a bit. Um, very unfortunately, uh, literally right now at the moment of speaking, um, the, um, the site is down currently because we ran into some technical issues um, with video streaming that meant we had to take the site offline to work on them. We are hoping to get it back up tonight, actually. So... Anybody um, looking at it right now will see a maintenance page up, um, but it should be back up and operational within the next 24 hours. How exciting. And once you create an account and log in, are there guidelines and kind of, uh, you know, what we can and cannot do if we want to submit? Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we have a whole um, How This Works page. And, and we also, uh, we have a blog at talkabout.makelovenotporn.tv. Um, with, with a number of different sections. We have how-tos, so anybody who wants to share their real-world sex um, can see tips on how to film yourselves. And, 
But, um, you know, what, what, what's really interesting is um, t- uh, um, two things. The first is um, we, um, we are something very different from porn. Um, what we say is that we're not porn, we're not amateur, we're real-world sex. And we play a different role to porn. So we're not simply master data material, though we're obviously that too, very happy to do that. But um, we loved it when one of our members, who was a young man, summed it up as, he said to us, watching porn makes me want to jerk off. Watching your videos makes me want to have sex. We're like any other social media platform. We're about connecting people. We're about connecting people through opening up communication around sex to get to better sex, to get to better relationships, to get to better lives. And so, you know, couples watch our real-world sex videos together. They write and tell us that they give them ideas of what, of what to do, that they act as talking points, you know, that they, that, um, that, um, that they, they absolutely operate as what we call sexual social currency, or helping it to make it easier to talk about sex. And the other really interesting thing is, we're a social experiment. You know, we've put this platform out there we haven't a faint idea what's going to come back. You know, we don't, we don't tell you what real world sex is. You, our community, you, the world, show us. But one thing that is really interesting, because um, as we're experiment, we're learning all the time, um, and, and we had no idea that this was going to be the case, is that the process of sharing your real world sex on makelove.porn.tv is transformative for the couples and the people who do it. So um, a woman wrote to us very early on. She and her partner had submitted a video. And and she said, this was the single most rewarding experience of my entire life. And and we were amazed. And she told us that um, the process of doing this had inspired a really brilliant dialogue and communication with with her partner. The sex was the hottest ever. and And that the whole thing had sort of bonded and unified them in a really amazing way. And actually, more and more of our Make Love Not Porn stars have told us that. That, you know, um, they say things like, we thought we were open, but doing this has taken our relationship to a new level. And by the way, you know, um, all our contributors, um, a few of them had videoed themselves to each other before. The vast majority had never even filmed themselves having sex before. They're doing it for us because they believe um, in our mission, which is to create a more open, healthy attitude, to, attitude towards sex. So, so two of our newest Make Love Not Porn stars, Brad and Dorothy, they're, um, they're a young married couple in their 20s um, with a one-year-old kid, and they both come from deeply religious Christian upbringings. And they came across Make Love Not Porn um, in a magazine somewhere, and they said to each other, we have to do this because it will really help us escape our backgrounds. And so they began themselves having sex for the first time ever and shared it with us. And, um, and by the way, um, we ask all our contributors to create intro videos, which are free to access, um, that just contextualize um, that they're real-world sex. And, and, and those intro videos can be anything you want, want them to be. Brad and Dorothy do these wonderful intros where they video themselves, they put really funny captions on. You know, I'm watching the intro videos, I'm laughing out loud. Um, and, and they are just a wonderful couple, and it's so much fun. That's beautiful. What an amazing gift to, to everyone, the contributors and the people enjoying it. Can singles, can individuals do this too, or is it purely oh, um, yep, um, absolutely. Um, so, so we are all inclusive. I mean, we have solo masturbation videos, male, female. Um, we have threesomes. We are, you know, LGBT, everything. Um, so, um, 
you know, anything and everything is real world sex. How exciting. And as I've been learning from your work and also uh, just what I've been learning in, in uh, the sex positive community is that so, so much about the sex that's presented in porn can have damaging uh, effects if we take it too seriously. Is there a element, uh, I know you talk about, like you said, the constantly uh, man coming on the face and uh, the, the female um, not being touched as much as she should, perhaps not having any stimulation at all where she should. What uh, element of porn bothers you personally the most? Right. Well, August, I want to go back to the point I made earlier. The issue isn't porn. The issue is the absence of a discussion around sex in the real world. Because everything you see in porn, somebody somewhere really, really enjoys. Um, you know, that's why um, our tagline is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. Um, the issue isn't porn. The issue is that you need to communicate with each other about what you would each enjoy. Because um, what people don't realize is that, you know, the majority of um, porn-influenced sexual behavior is usually driven by the best of all possible motives and not the worst. Because we all get very vulnerable when we get naked. Sexual egos are very fragile. And therefore, people find it bizarrely difficult to talk about sex with the people they're actually having it with while they're actually having it. Because you are terrified that if you say anything at all about what's going on, if you comment on the action anyway at all, you will hurt the other person's feelings, you'll put them off you, you'll derail the encounter, you'll potentially derail the entire relationship, and at the same time, you want to please your partner, you want to make them happy. You'll seize your cues on how to do that from anywhere you can. And if the only cues you've ever seen have been given are from porn, then those are the ones you'll take not very good effect. And so that's why, as I say, our mission is to help make it easier for everybody to talk about sex, to make it easier for parents to begin talking to their children about sex as early as possible. All of this starts in the home. And, and that's because, you know, one of the reasons we're doing what we're doing is that today the average age at which a child first encounters hardcore porn online is eight. And, and a global study done last year indicates that that age may have now dropped to six. And that is not because eight-year-olds and six-year-olds go looking for porn. They don't. It's a function of what today is absolutely inevitable. It's a function of what somebody shows your child on their cell phone in the playground. It's a function of what happens when they go out of a neighbor's house, because it doesn't matter what parental controls you have in place at home. Your kids live their lives in other places. Or because this is the most wired generation ever, an eight-year-old or six-year-old does something really cute and innocent. They learn a new naughty word and they Google it. Penis, yay! One or two clicks away is something they never expected to find. Like the seven-year-old daughter of a friend of mine who, you know, a little while back, innocently Googled black tights and spelt it T-I-T-S. And, and that is going to happen, unfortunately. And so, you know, the, the answer to, to this is not to shut down, censor, try and block. It's, it, it's actually to open up. It's to have the conversation about sex. And, and incidentally, um, you don't have to, like, have a conversation about sex. It's just the first time your child asks where babies come from or they touch themselves in the bath or whatever. The key thing is it's not even what you say as much as the way you say it. Never get angry. Never get embarrassed. Never slap them down. Never shut them up. 
answer openly, honestly, and open up a channel of communication that you will want to keep open as they grow older and that they will be very grateful for. Because historically, I mean, back in the day, you know, very few parents still talk to their kids about sex. And back in my day, if you're one of the very few prepared to have the conversation, the conversation used to be purely logistical. So the conversation used to be, this goes into this, when a man loves a woman, the birds and the bees. The conversation you have today as a parent goes, darling, we know you're online, we know looking at porn, we just need to explain to you that actually not all women like being tied up, bound, gangbanged, raped, choked, and have men come all over them. And actually, not all men like doing that either. 100% of parents are not having that conversation. And unfortunately today, they really need to. And that's why you know, it's so important to begin doing this early so that both you and your child feel comfortable talking about all of this as they get older. Interesting. Yeah. So do you believe then that, you know, so children, as you're saying, should not necessarily be told, don't look at porn, which may just increase their likelihood of seeking it out, but uh, learn about sexuality in schools earlier as well, because I think now they don't really learn much until at least the fifth or sixth grade. Um, the, uh, the answer really isn't for parents to try and delegate all of this to schools, especially because schools are woefully inadequate, particularly in this country, about um, educating kids. Um, I'm, ha- I'm happy to say, by the way, that a lot of teachers regularly write to me and tell me they use MakeLoveNotPorn.com um, in the classroom, which is terrific. But, um, but, but yeah, um, you, um, the fact of the matter is you are not going to be able to shield your child from porn, much though you would like to, and much though, by the way, we would all like you to. Um, it's simply not going to happen. And so it's really important that you make them aware that porn is not real-world sex, that it is a form of entertainment, and just like entertainment, Hollywood movies and so on, there are different forms of it, and some of them are quite extreme, and it's all about performance. Um, And by the way, um, one very unfortunate thing is that we all watch porn, we don't talk about it. And so porn exists in a parallel universe, in a shadowy other world. And porn therefore lacks a number of the tools that we use in other parts of our lives um, to improve them. Porn lacks curation and navigation, or rather it lacks socially acceptable curation and navigation, because there are sites that curate porn sites, but they're porn sites. And this is very unfortunate because porn, um, broadly speaking, as a concept, is very useful. It's a terrific tool to help understand yourself, your sexuality, what you like, to realize there are other people who like what you like. But that depends on your being able to find the kind of porn that would really help you develop in a healthy way. And currently, as I said, there is no socially acceptable navigator. There is no Yelp of porn. And that's because it's really okay to come into the office on a Monday morning, stand by the water cooler and go, I'm really bored of all the restaurants I've been eating at. Who knows a new restaurant? It is not okay to come in, stand by the water cooler and go, I'm really bored of all the porn I've been watching. Who knows some new porn? And that's a huge shame because the landscape of porn needs navigation, especially for young people. I get quite frustrated when people talk about porn as if it was all one big homogenous mass. That's like talking about literature, like it's all the same thing. The landscape of porn is like the landscape of literature. It has as many genres, subgenres, divisions, and within it 
are areas that young people would find very useful, but they have no guide. And by the way, the Yelp of porn, the socially acceptable Yelp of porn is a billion dollar business idea, which I sincerely hope one day somebody launches. I can't, I've got too much on my plate already. <laughs> but, um, but, but, but actually, you know, anything that parents can do to just talk to their children realistically and honestly um, will we'll be enormously welcomed by the children, no matter how much they squirm. And so parents write to me all the time. Um, you know, a mother wrote to me and said, um, you know, my teenage son had a bunch of friends around the other night, and I sat them all down and I made them watch your TED Talk. And she said that, you know, they all squirmed around at first. But actually, after the talk, it gave rise to two hours of fascinating discussion. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very keen for parents to use Make Love Not Porn, you know, to um, themselves as an outside um, stimulant for these conversations. And, and there are also parents who say to me, oh, thank you so much for makelovenotporn.com. You know, I've just sent it to my kids. I didn't have to talk to them about it. <laughs> so, so you're very welcome to do that as well. But, but, but obviously, yeah. I'd I, I love it to be a conversation helper. Sure. A, a great starting point. Definitely. That, that's incredible. So do you think that uh, things like porn addiction and, uh, you know, which is becoming increasingly common even in, in children, that also comes from a lack of communication and comfort about sexuality? Um, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, because, um, you know, part of the problem here, August, is the, um, the huge amount of shame and embarrassment that surrounds this whole area. Um, it, it infinitely worsens things. You know, there, there, there is nothing wrong with enjoying watching porn. We're all sexual beings, you know, apart from, from the few people who are asexual, which is also, there's nothing wrong with that either. But, you know, who does not like to watch other people fucking? It's an absolutely natural human instinct. It's a natural human response. And, you know, part of, part of the... You know, the um, really unfortunate thing about this whole area is that people are made to feel so ashamed and guilty and dirty at enjoying watching porn that that actually exacerbates the whole scenario. Um, and so, you know, our, our ultimate end goal to make love, not porn, and, and, and this is um, a very ambitious goal, it will take a very long time, um, but um, if I and my team achieve our social mission of making real-world sex socially acceptable and socially shareable, one day nobody should ever have to feel ashamed or embarrassed ever again about having a naked photograph or a sex tape of themselves posted on the internet because it's simply just a natural human part of who we all are. When you take the shame and embarrassment out of sex, you defuse revenge porn, and you defuse many other things with the potential to make human lives very unhappy. Very true and, and beautifully said. That's a, a beautiful mission, too. Do you feel that you have always, you seem to have such confidence and you're very sexually empowered, a very strong role model, I think, for women. How did you become that way? Is that natural or, is, or do you have any advice for women who are looking to, to grow in that kind of confidence? So, I mean, I mean, it's purely, um, I've just evolved that way. You know, I'm, um, I'm half English, half Chinese. I was brought up in Brunei, in Borneo. My parents are extremely old-fashioned. They never spoke to me about sex. You know, um, I had a very repressed um, upbringing in that sense. And so, um, you know, I, I guess that's part of what makes me feel strongly now, that I really want to help everybody be more open and natural about all of this. And to help, you know, shortcut that process. But, you know, I'm, I'm also, I'm, I'm very open in, in everything that I do. Um, 
and um, and so um, yeah. But I mean, I, I just you know I can look back and see that I went through a lot of unnecessary angst in my teenage years and early twenties around sex because you know my my, my mother's training of <gasps> you know stay a virgin till you're married had totally rooted itself in my brain. Um, and so, um, and so I, I would just love to help change that for other people. I love that. And you certainly are. You also have a fairly unconventional uh, relationship style yourself, which I admire your openness in speaking about the fact that I, I read that you uh, consider yourself not naturally monogamous. How has the success and the growth of your ventures with Make Love Not Porn affected your personal life? Right. So, so first of all, um, I, I, I just want to um, uh, put some context around the word success and growth, um, because um, I would really love your audience to understand that my team and I fight a battle to build this venture every single day. Every piece of business infrastructure any other startup can take for granted, we can't because the small print always says no adult content. I had no idea when I embarked on this path how enormously difficult it was going to be to make Make Love Not Porn happen. And um, I really want people to understand that because, because pe people don't. And I find that people are generally surprised um, when I tell them that, for example, it took me two years to get Make Love Not Porn TV funded, which is very ironic because I should have been, in theory, every investor and venture capitalist's wet dream, literally. I have an idea, enabled by technology, designed to disrupt a sector worth billions of dollars in a way that is both socially beneficial and potentially very financially lucrative. But because that sector is porn and the social benefit is the sexuality, no VC would come near me. It took me two years of pitching my heart out to find one angel investor who got it, put up a small amount of seed funding that enabled us to build a platform, I closed on that funding. I then could not get my hands on the actual money for two months because I couldn't find a single bank here in America that would allow me to open a business bank account for business that has the word porn in its name, even though our name is Make Love Not Porn, and that does what we do. I still can't. I can't find a bank anywhere in the world that wants my business. Our single biggest operational challenge has been putting our payments infrastructure in place. <clears throat> so because we're adult content, PayPal won't work with us. Amazon won't, none of the mainstream credit card processors will. Even something as simple, seemingly, as finding an email partner to send our membership emails out with, five or six rejected us because of the nature of our business before we found one willing to, to actually enable us to send emails out. So um, we are a little over a year old in public data. We have over a, over a quarter of a million members. We are taking in revenue every month, I mean, not a huge amount of, you know, as yet, but in a world where the received wisdom is nobody pays for porn, they're paying for real-world sex. Some of our Make Love Not Porn stars are making four figures at each payout, so we are the answer to the economy. We've gotten shed loads of media coverage all around the world without doing one single bit of media outreach. In theory, with that much traction in the market and proof of concept, we'd be perfectly positioned to raise a Series A round of funding. In practice, nobody will touch us because we're about sex. And so it's very frustrating, August, because we have a wonderful community. This is a venture with huge potential, but, but literally we fight every single day to keep it going. 
and, and to try and find the funding and the access to capital that will enable us to do that. And so, um, you know, what I've realised is that I have to pave my own way. I have to break down the barriers in my path to scale and grow this business to a billion dollar venture, which I fully intend to be. And so um, I, I have a whole tranche of work that I do that is about demonstrating to the tech and business community how enormously investable, fundable, startupable, and disruptable this whole area is. So how can we help uh, your ventures? I, I certainly relate on a smaller level to, to your struggles. Even the term boner, people are, you know, I, I face some, some interesting uh, hurdles myself and I'm still facing some and I empathize. What can we do besides, you know, contribute video? Well, um, well, first of all, I would love, love all of you to sign up, join and, and, and contribute videos. Absolutely. I guess, I mean, the, um, the other thing is... Um, at, at the moment, our, our single biggest need is, um, is for funding. And the very difficult thing there is that, um, you know, um, um, so there are three broad areas that tech startups get funding from. The first is institutional funding, um, venture capitalists. Now, um, here's the problem for us. My single biggest obstacle on Make Love Not Porn is the social dynamic that I characterize as fear of what other people will think. It is never about what the person I'm talking to thinks. It's always about their wrong-headed, perceived fear of what other people think. So um, to give you an example, um, a young VC reached out to me last year from San Francisco. He, he'd seen me speak at a tech conference. He wrote to me. He was, quote, blown away by Make Love Not Porn. We met up, we talked. He totally gets it. Um, but he said to me, at the end of the day, it's not about what I think. It's about what every partner in my firm will think and what every investor in our fund will think. So institutional investment, uh, unless, unless I find a very open-minded VC firm, is, is closed to us. Um, the, the, the second thing that people tend to say to me is, um, oh, Cindy, what about crowdfunding? Um, now, um, platforms like Kickstarter have the no adult content clause, so... Um, we can't we can't go on them, but but um, crowdfunding too um, is subject to the same dynamic. So successful crowdfunding requires a very large number of people willing to very publicly rally around something and very publicly invite lots of other people into it. People will totally rally publicly around a piece of hardware, a video game, a movie concept. They will not publicly rally in huge numbers around anything to do with sex. And it's interesting because I see the evidence of this every day in my social media stream. So I'm a Facebook and Twitter addict, um, and I, I post and tweet and share across a whole range of subjects, um, you know, tech, business, feminism, advertising, which is my background, sex, make love, not porn. My tweets and my posts about sex and make love, not porn, I know they're read. They are never retweeted and shared at the same level as everything else that I put out there. And I know that also because I've had this conversation with friends who have said to me, Cindy, you're absolutely right. You know, I'm a parent. I totally believe what you're doing make love, not porn. You know, I read every post. I never retweet them to my followers. Fear what other people think is, as I said, a very paralyzing dynamic. Uh, and by the way, fear what other people will think is the single most paralyzing dynamic in business and in life. You, you, will, you will get absolutely nowhere if you care about what other people think. So um, the third area um, that needs is angel investors, individuals. And our difficulty there is that other startups can target angels. 
you know, um, they can go, oh, you know, so-and-so has publicly stated they want to invest in clean tech. So-and-so has a portfolio investment that suggests they're interested in this. Sex is the one area where you cannot tell from the outside what somebody feels on the inside, especially as there's nobody putting their hand up going, I want to invest in sex tech. And so I put Make Love Not Porn out there all the time. You know, I, I promote it constantly because I have to rely on something I put out there resonating with someone who will then reach out to me. And so the thing I would ask you and all your listeners is, if anybody knows anybody um, who is open-minded and might be interested in investing in Make Love Not Porn, then, then um, I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to hear from them. And you can email me at Cindy at makelovenotporn.com. Wonderful. And your Twitter hand, handle is your first and last name, correct? Exactly. My Twitter handle is at Cindy Gallup. Wonderful. And your website is makelovenotporn.com. And it is indeed. And the TV site is the same except .tv, is that right? Uh, yeah, um, exactly. And actually, if you go to makelovenotporn.com, you'll see it directs you to um, the Porn World versus Real World site, to the .tv site, and also to our blog. So you can just go to makelovenotporn.com and, and jump off from there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time and insight with, with me and all of my listeners. I really admire the work you're doing, and I will do whatever I can to support and, and get the word out there, and hopefully people out there will, will listen and, and follow suit. So thank you very much. It's been great talking to you, August, and I really appreciate this opportunity to share with you what, what we're doing. And um, I'm really glad that we, we, we share the same values um, in terms of wanting to see a more healthy, open attitude towards and dialogue around sex. So thanks for the opportunity. My pleasure. And if you are enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes if you haven't and leave us a simple review while you're there. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.